This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Twenty-one days of prayer and fasting. How many are excited about this time that we seek the Lord, we wait on Him, we we set aside some, some time to intentionally, on purpose. Spend that extra time with him. And if you're, you're fasting food, when you would regularly uh, eat food, eat the word. Take some time in prayer. Don't just go without and not spend time with him. Because all you're doing is going hungry then. It, it's a time for us to spend with him. And great things happen when we spend time with him. Things change in our lives. I, 21 days of prayer and fasting could change the very course of your life. Because anytime we spend time with him, it's life-changing. And it will transform our lives. So I'm excited about this time as we seek his face. And you might be doing a Daniel fast where you're not doing meat and uh, sweets and bread. Great. Whatever you have to do. If you have a physical job, don't do a water fast. You know, do a, a juice fast or skip one meal. Had people through the years that were doing physical job and they decided to do a water fast and they got into trouble and they have some help. Called up, what did I do? Eat, get some nourishment, set aside some time. You can fast TV. I know a lot of young people doing social media. You can fast something. And um, take that extra time and be with the Lord. And it will make a difference in your life. If you're pregnant, I, you don't need to fast. <laughs> I guess you could fast uh, pickles and ice cream. but Never mind. Don't fast here. You know, use wisdom. Uh, Dr. Colbert has a great book on uh, juicing. He talks about fasting. And how there's a lot of people that have trouble, blood sugar and stuff, fasting. And you can um, get this book and it really has some great information for you. But it's good for you physically and spiritually. And last week this came from uh, uh, our elder, Dennis Apollo. And he sent this to me. He said, a recent study from the University of California showed the act of fasting triggers a switch the flip in the body, signaling it to begin stem cell-based regeneration of the hemopoietic system, it is required. Uh, it required the body to utilize up its store stores of glucose, fat, ketones, as well as start to break down a large number of white blood cells. The loss of white blood cells. Flag the body to, in turn, restore brand new immune system cells. So if you want your immune system to be regenerized, uh, uh, made new, go on the fast. Isn't that interesting? So we're going to uh, review a little bit. It's interesting. Well, I looked at the message. I said, Lord, what do you want me to say? Because there's so many things on fasting that could be said, and after the end, uh, I looked at it and said, well, it's the same verses that I actually used last week. <laughs> and, uh, but I'm going to add a little bit to it, and uh, hopefully it will uh, minister to you. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites, but sound, sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear to men to be fasting. Surely I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. One of the things I want you to understand, God rewards your prayer and fasting. There is a reward connected to it, and I want the reward of God. And when God rewards, it's a 
it's something. It's not just uh, some trophy. Uh, it means something. And then he's promised, and he's faithful to his promises. He's faithful to, to reward you because of your prayer and fasting. Now, it's interesting in Matthew 6, I've talked many times, but it's three things that Jesus talked about. He said, do your giving. He said, when you give. And he talks about doing it in secret. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And it's like Pastor Sean was saying, it's not about when we do good news, it's not our boast is in the Lord. Amen. And we're not to go around, look what I gave, you know, putting the spotlight on us. But we give the good report, look what God did. And, and so anyway, Jesus talked about when you give, not, uh, you know, it's not an option to the believer. Then he talked about prayer. He said, when you pray, go into your, uh, your closet and you pray before the Father in secret. He that sees in secret will reward you openly. People will recognize the reward of God on your life because they'll be open. And then he comes in the fasting here. He said, when you fast, he said, don't appear to be fasting. Don't, you know, put on the sad face. Don't blow the trumpet like the hypocrites did and say, hey, look, I'm fasting. He said, that's their reward. That's a not enough for reward to go through prayer and fasting. And every faster said, amen. <laughs> That's not enough. That doesn't cut the mustard. <laughs> and so what is he saying? He's saying there's a reward. God is a rewarder and he will reward you. But he's also saying that prayer and fasting is not optional for the believer. Jesus really expects us to do this, a discipline in our life. And what a great time when we do it corporately because there is a corporate anointing to fast. There's a grace to fast when we all do it together. And I've seen where one person gets a breakthrough and someone else will start getting that same breakthrough even though they may have not been even believing for it, this breakthrough came on them because of a corporate anointing being linked together. And it's like we can get, almost get more done corporately than by ourselves. So he wants us, and what we're doing, we're blowing the trumpet at Church of the Harvest, saying, hey, we're calling for a solemn assembly. We're calling for 20 day, 21 days of prayer and fasting. Will you come and be a part? Let's join our hearts and let's wait on the Lord. Let's seek his face. And he will reward us openly. It's not just you individually. He will reward us corporately, openly. Because he's a rewarder. He likes to bless. But he was so emphatic about these things that he put an incentive with it. He said, I want you to give. I want you to pray. I want you to fast. And then he says, I'm going to put an incentive. I'm going to put a reward with it because I'm so much into you doing this. And he's faithful to reward us. And Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 it says, but without faith it's impossible the place it. Say impossible. Faith demands action. Faith demands that we obey what the word says and there's some action to it. Well, pastor, I thought you believe in the grace of God. I do believe in the grace of God. But grace is more than just him forgiving me and, and ushering me into the family of God. We call it extreme grace, but it's really not grace at all. Some people say, well, I don't have to do anything. Because of the grace of God. Well, grace is the empowerment of God to do what the word says. Grace is his power and his strength flooding me that I can do what he called me to do. So we need the grace of God to pray and fast. We need the grace of God to walk after this Christian life. You cannot do this Christian life on your own. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need God's grace in our life. Jeremiah 29, 13, if you seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Did I finish Hebrews eleven six? 6? Did I read the rest of that? I don't think I did. I think it stopped. Y'all don't know. That's not a good sign. 
We're going to read it again. Since y'all don't know and I don't know, I think I stopped at faith and just... I did. Thank you. Thank you, Ed. Somebody was listening. But I can't say anything I didn't know myself. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. The rest of the verse here says, for he who comes to God, no, must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Getting tickled at myself. Oh, gosh. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> That's really funny to me. Did I read that verse? Nobody knows. And I don't know. <laughs> I read the first little part of the verse and then took off on this thing about faith. <laughs> you see in your notes fasting is about seeking his face and letting God first <laughs> fasting is about setting for us now it's about setting the course for our new year 2022 how many want to be a better year than 2021? How many want to be better <laughs> for 2022? And that's what we're after here. We want to be, we want more of him and less of us. So fasting is about seeking his face and putting him first. Setting apart time by abstaining from things that give us pleasure or we find pleasure in. For the purpose of spending time with him, giving back to him in prayer and being with him. Seeking God is more important than food, is what we were saying to him. It's more important than sports. It's more important than social media. It's more important than TV. That's what we're doing. We're acknowledging that he's first in our life. And we're demonstrating it by our actions. More important than our hobby. We're showing our love and appreciation for God. He said, when you seek me, you'll find me. He will reveal himself to you when you seek him. He will. He's faithful to it. I want you, Lord, more than my business or my busyness. You know, we'll say, Lord, I want, I want to see your face. But then we're distracted and or the cares of this life have us going. And there's so many things that are, are taking up our time. Lord, I'm making a living. I, and we're just not spending time with him. But he said, if you'll diligently or sincerely seek me, you'll find me. So then, see, we're, we say the right words. Well, I want to see your face. And he said, I can't show you my face because you're not looking at me. So we're taking time to look at him. <clears throat> Pastor, I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to pray him fast. I'm just going to seek him. I'm, I'm going to live in my prayer closet. No better than that, I'm going to find a cave and live in the cave and not have anything to do with people. And I'm going to grow a white beard. <laughs> You're out of the will of God. That's what God's called you to. There's work to do. We have people who are lost and dying. We have people to touch and influence. We have work to do. You have a job to do. You're to provide for your household. We have things to do. I don't know if you ever ran. I had some friends that kind of went that direction. And the truth is, they weren't, didn't want to be around people because all they were doing was spending their time with God. But the thing was, people didn't want to be around them. They got where 
squirrely is just being nice about it. Moving on, Matthew chapter 9, verse 14. The disciples of John came to Jesus saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often? But your disciples do not fast. And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn or fast as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away and then they will fast. This is the first we, we talked about last week. That Jesus is the bridegroom and he, he was explaining that my disciples will not fast as long as I'm here. And the disciples uh, uh, of John who were fasting probably like the Pharisees were fasting. Probably some of them said, I'm going to join this group. <laughs> I want to fast. But what was going on? They were between two covenants. They were between the Old Testament, New Testament, Old Covenant, New Covenant. So they were in a special place and time, and Jesus was covering them. When he sent the 70 out, it said that they healed, they delivered, they did all these great works. They came back, and they were so amazed. And Jesus said, you know, rejoice because your book is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But what they were doing, they were functioning under Jesus' anointing. Jesus was covering them. And he said, they don't have to fast right now. I'm, I'm here. I've got them covered. I, I have faith to release the anointing on them. And they're operating and everything's fine. So they don't have to fast. So we answered that question about, you know, when. Uh, so why aren't they fasting? But then he, he goes on and explains why those after I'm gone will fast. He explains it, what, what's, what's going on. In verse uh, 16, this is why we, and he's talking about us, we will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on the old garment for the patch pulls away from the garment and the tears may worse. Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskin breaks. The wineskin is spilled, and the wineskin are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. What in the world? It took me a long time to understand. What in the world? It's just like he changed subjects, but he didn't change subjects. He's talking about fasting. The reason that we fast, he said, you can't take a garment and put, repair it or patch it with a, a piece of garment that's unshrunk. They'll tear it up. Or wineskin, you can't, uh, old wineskin, you can't put new wineskin in or that wineskin will burst. And he said, that's the reason that my followers will fast. What in the world is he saying? He's saying that when you're born again, your spirit will be blameless, perfect, the righteousness of God in Christ, and it will be new wine. But I have some news for you. I'm going to be gone. I'm going to take care of your spirit, but I'm going to have to leave, leave you in your old garment or your old wineskin, your earthly body. That's what he's talking about. I'm going to have to leave you in this flesh. And he's, he's saying that when you fast, it does the same thing in you as if you got a new wineskin. Or a new garment. He's saying fasting helps allow the operation of the new creation man from your spirit flow out of you. He said, I'm going to leave you in this old wine skin. But you know, one day a trumpet's going to sound. And in the twinkling of the eye, you're going to get a new wine skin. You will no longer have the body after the first Adam. 
you will have the, the body after the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, and you will have a glorified body, a body that will never age again, a body that is perfect, a body that will be, and I'll say 33 years old. I believe I can prove that from Scripture, but 33 years old, and you will look better than you ever did on this earth. You'll look the way you always dreamed you wanted to look. Somebody say, hallelujah. But in the meantime, you're stuck in this old wineskin. And, and we have to renew our youth to believe the promise because the word says it's the cane. It's, it's capable of sin, this old wineskin. How many would agree it's capable of sin? See, when I got saved, they said, well, you're being tempted by the enemy. The enemy has tempted you. And I understood that. I was tempted to sin because of the enemy. But no one explained to me that there was a part of me that wanted to agree with the devil. (laughs) There was a part of me that wouldn't say, hey, yes, (laughs) the flesh this old wineskin, this old garment. Now let me say this. When you see flesh in scriptures, it can mean your physical flesh and it also can mean the unrenewed areas of your mind. That's the reason it's important for us to renew our mind because it's through the renewing of the mind linked up for our spirit that we can take dominion over the flesh. But the flesh is something that we have to deal with. There's problems with the flesh. In 1 John 2, 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. Anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Say the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. That's all that's in the world. See, flesh wants to be Self-sufficient. Flesh puts self above everything else. Flesh brings captivity and death. Flesh wants that addiction. Flesh wants to be angry. Flesh wants to give a piece of your fleshly mind. Flesh doesn't want to walk in love. Flesh doesn't want to forgive. Flesh loves comfort. Flesh loves to to sleep in. Flesh doesn't want to go get up and go to church. Are you kidding me? Get up and go to church is so cozy in this bed. Besides that, it's raining. I might melt. All kinds of excuses in the flesh. I can watch online now. It's okay if you're watching. I'm just have a reason to watch online. Serve in my church? you got to be kidding me. Serve in my church? I work a full-time job. Flesh. Say flesh. Reach out to others. Somebody needs to reach out to me. Galatians 5, verse 16, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. See, the cravings and desires of the flesh work against the Spirit. They're contrary to the Spirit of God. They're working against the Spirit. But Jesus said, I've got good news for you. There's something that you can do. You can pray and fast. And you can take, you can put to death the deeds of the flesh by praying and fasting. You can cause the the flow from inside of you, the spirit, to be more pronounced because you're putting the flesh down. And you're putting the spirit in a higher place. Prayer and fasting is important. And you don't have to just wait for 21 days, sometimes during a year. And very seldom will you feel led to 
fast. It's, it's more usually a discipline. You might reckon, I need to take a day or I need to skip a meal. I need to take some extra time. Fasting, so you see this, you know, fasting preserves your old wineskin so the new wine of the new creation can flow in your life. His love, his power, his peace, his hope, his faith can flow out of you through your life just like you receive a glorified body. Fasting preserves own wide skin. How many preachers have burst their old wine skin, spilling out the new wine while the world watches? A reproach on the gospel. Because they could not handle, they weren't strong enough to handle the new wine, what God had done. And it burst. Reproach. Prayer and fasting gets our hearts on others. In Isaiah 58, you know, we read the, the chosen fast that God had chosen. And when you really look at it, it's a fast for others. That we fast to break the chains of injustice, to undo those heavy burdens, to set the captives free. That we're fasting to break every yoke. True fasting will lead to humility before God and ministry to others. Because when you get around him, you get his heart. And he has a heart for people. He loves people. And we have a need to pray and fast. We need a demonstration of God's power. We need to see. We need to demonstrate that he is alive. We need to represent heaven well. We need to represent him well. We need to show that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And that he's changed our life. We need to be an example of living a righteous life. We need to be a church that displays the love of God flowing and that we see the value in each and every person because God does, the Father does. We need to pray and fast that people are giving their life to Jesus. How about a daily basis through us? How about that people are healed and set free from every affliction, that every yoke is broken? How about disciples being raised up? How about people being sent to the mission field? How about increase? How about flow of the Spirit of God through us? These things just don't happen. You know, we have a, a generation that's falling away from God. You look at the stats, they're falling away from God. When will we? We will now. <laughs> Let's rise up and do something about it. They need God. And they need to know he's alive. And to see his strength. They need to see a people living for Jesus. We need to see marriages restored and strengthened. It doesn't it doesn't just happen. We have to pray. We have to fast. We have to release our faith that God can change and do the impossible as we release his spirit to do the impossible. He's waiting on us. I believe that he is the God of the impossible. I was just recently reading, I picked up George Mueller's book. My goodness. Fed 10,000 orphans, never prayed and asked for one offering. We're not going to do that here, but I'm just saying, what? And there would be people, he, he'd say, we're going to eat breakfast. Everybody set your tables. Get silverware and, and they got all out and they had no food. After the prayer for the food, thank you, Lord, for this food. Everybody's looking around. There's nothing on the plate. Thank you, Lord, for the food. There's a knock at the door. And here they, comes all this food. Or somebody would break down. Their truck would break down. We don't know how we got here. Our, our truck's new, but it broke down. 
uh, we got all this food, we're going to have to unload it. Unload all this food. Elijah. It says the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man avails much. A righteous man or woman of God who prays, he avails much. That's God saying that. And Elijah, like us, a man of like nature, it said that he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain for three and a half years. Don't tell me we can't have a move of God. Don't tell me young people can't serve God. Don't tell me that he can't heal the impossible to the doctors. Don't tell me that he can't heal the incurable. Don't tell me he can't deliver that addiction. Don't tell me that he can bring in the stubborn atheist, the one who's all out against God, mocking God. Don't tell me he can't save him. He might have a soul experience. He might get knocked off his horse and come to God. Don't tell me he can't because it's all in the word he promised to do it. I'm going to read this real quick because I want to get to that last part that I didn't get to last week and it kind of will tie it in. Isaiah 58 verse 9, if you take away the yoke of your midst, the pointing of the finger, speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry, satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in darkness and your darkness shall be as the noonday. It's like if we'll do our part, God will automatically take care of us. The Lord will guide you continually, satisfy your soul in drought, and strengthen your bones, and you shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundation of many generations, and you shall be called the repair of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. We're called to rebuild the places that the enemy has torn down and made a wasted, desolate land. Walls of broken lives that need to be repaired and built up. Raise up a foundation for many generations. We have grandchildren, and they're going to have children. I want them blessed. What about you? You want your children blessed? You want your grandchildren blessed? And their children blessed? Their children blessed? Their Many generations, we got to raise up the foundation. God hears our prayers, and they avail much. They avail much. I want to see them blessed. What about praying for our nation? Got to looking back at most of the prayers were for nations. Then Jesus say, "I'll make my house a house of prayer for all nations." We live in a culture that we need to pray. They're, they're saying the Bible's out of date and needs a revision. But we know the truth. So this is what, I want to put the caboose on this, try to. Uh, Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer and in Luke 11. We're looking at verse 5. He continues to teach on prayer. He's teaching on prayer. And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. He wants three loaves of bread. For a friend of mine has come to me on this journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs because of his persistence. Get the picture here. It's a friend going to a friend on behalf of another. Verse 9, Jesus speaks, so I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. Everyone who asks receives. He that seeks finds. Him who knocks will be open. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? If he asks for fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? If he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If he then, being evil, knows how to give good gifts to his, your children, if you know how, as evil or carnal, 
know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more? Say how much more? Will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask him? This is about intercession. Jesus shifted mode. He was talking about personal prayer. And now he goes into intercession, praying for others. I'm going and I'm knocking on a friend's door at, at midnight because I'm lacking provision to give to this other one. And I, I need, and the guy won't answer the door, you know. We're asleep, get away. He said, who wants, Jesus said, who wants a friend like that? You know, won't come to the door. And then he says, but you ask and you will receive. You seek and you will find. You knock and the door will be open. And he talks about a son asking for these things. But he goes, if you will give to your own children... How much more will your heavenly father give? Now many, there, there's been people, uh, when I called it that was intercession years ago, because it bothered me because people told me and taught me that was God, that you had to keep banging on his door to God answered the door. That's why I was taught. You had to be persistent with God. That, uh, that, the one behind the door was God. And you just keep beating on that door. Yet I was learning about faith, and faith didn't line up with that. I had to keep on begging and asking God. I just asked him, I believed that I received, and I thanked him for it. I got the praise. I got the worship. It just didn't fit. But then I saw it was intercession. Oh, it's intercession. But see... Even those that have figured out that or got the revelation that it's intercession have not got who the one is behind the door. Those preachers have got, it is intercession, but they said God's the one behind the door and just keep on banging. No, Jesus didn't say that was God. That is us. That's a cardinal person behind that door. That's just a, a, a natural person behind that door who really was being carnal because he wouldn't give to his friend to help him out, okay? And then Jesus gives a contrast of the difference with our Heavenly Father. He said that you can know that he will answer the door. You don't have to keep banging on the door. You seek, you will find. Knock, he's going to open the door. And just like you give to your own children, how much more will he give to his children? Hallelujah. But here's, here's the key. Well, let me make sure I got it. God has called us to be a people who ask for bread for another. We are called to ask for bread for another. This is the part that gets exciting when you think about he did not change the subject. He's still talking about intercession. He's promising me if I'll come for my friend over here, I can go and get bread for him. That's powerful. Now, I, there's, no one getting that. If I can see someone and realize what's going on, I can pray and get the answer from God for them. Now, there's even a a scripture that says that I can ask forgiveness for someone and they'll be forgiven. Now, they still have to ask forgiveness. What I'm doing, I'm praying to the Father, whatever is hindering them. 
I'm getting forgiveness for them by whatever spirit, whatever's hindering, hindering them from forgiving, that they will release that and ask forgiveness. He said, I'll give the Holy Spirit to them to ask him. And this really just bursted last night. I've used this first many times to get people filled with the Holy Spirit. Because he said he'll give the Holy Spirit to his children. If you ask him, if you're his child, that means you've been born again. So you have the Holy Spirit. But he's talking about intercession. Watch this. I don't know what the resource or the bread is for my friend that's even needed. And Jesus is saying, I can ask the Holy Spirit, Father, I ask for the Holy Spirit to pray through me and help me in this situation. And what do you do? You can pray in the Spirit for your friend that needs the resources, the perfect plan of God. See, if I know, I can, my head can get in the way, I can pray what I think they need. But Jesus is saying, if you ask the Father for the Holy Spirit, he will pray through you and you can see that person set free. You can see a nation set free. You can change the course of history. You can change things. We're praying to a powerful, almighty God. And he's given us the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I love it. That we can pray the perfect prayer. Exactly what they need. There are good people there. I believe we all have weak areas that we have trouble receiving in. That means we're bad people. We just, for some reason, we can't receive in the area, but I can call on the Holy Spirit and pray perfectly. I've had times where just deep intercession for someone. I didn't know who, who it was, but I know they were being set free. What was I doing? I was yielding to God, and he was using me to pray and set someone free. Now, I'm sure you've experienced where the Holy Spirit do that. Nothing is impossible is what he's saying. I don't care how lost they look or how much they're coming against you. You can pray and intercede for them and Father hears and he is answering. Well, I haven't seen anything happen. That's where faith is, patience. He could have sent someone to their door to knock on the door and minister to them and they slam the door in his face. But you keep standing, keep believing. The next place he goes, he goes to, to Walmart and everyone is kind and super nice and, and, and blesses him and, and, and says, do you know Jesus? <laughs> uh, if we knew the power, I think we'd be praying a lot more. If we knew we could tap in to the resources of heaven and you'll not be turned down. What about you and I? The resources are there. Do I say pray for ourselves? Absolutely. But you know, our resources, I don't have to do a whole lot Praying spirit, I mean, I'm at the table. Most of the time, I don't have to come knock at the door. I'm at his table feasting. <laughs> My picture is on the refrigerator. It's coming open up, and I dine, I eat. But what about you took this prayer and fasting time, and you took three people that need Jesus and need their life turned around? And you say, Holy Spirit, help me pray for them. I want to see a change. This thing has to change. And you took 21 days and see what happens. 
I'm going to stop. We're going to, we have the, the box down here. This is why it's important to fill out because write the vision down. And plus, we're going to be praying, placing our hands and on these and this box and believing God for each and every person here. But let's bow our heads for just a moment. There might be someone here that doesn't know Jesus. God loves you so much. He wants you to be one of his children, one of his kids. Talked about my son, uh, Joshua, how one little baby has changed him so much. Having a child. Everything is about the welfare of this baby. God is a much better father than any of us, better parent than any of us. And our welfare is his number one. His number one with him. He's in love with us. He's head over heels in love with you. And he wants you to be a part of his family. So we're going to pray a prayer, a simple prayer. If you mean it from your heart, you ask Jesus to be your Lord come into your heart you'll be changed the Bible says you'll become a brand new person on the inside in your spirit you need to get in the word the Bible, get your Bible and read and pray come to church, welcome you here to be a part if you're watching online if every head bowed and no one looking around if you need Jesus today just lift up your hand and we're going to pray and maybe you're online everyone say dear God thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins to rescue me from eternal death what great love he has shown for me I receive his love. I receive the gift of salvation. Be the Lord of my life. I'll follow you all the days of my life. I thank you that you died for me. You went to the cross. And God the Father raised you up. Thank you, Lord, for receiving me as a part of your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want us to I stand up. If you need a pen, does anyone need a pen? Lift your hand. lift our hands. You're committing to a time of prayer and fasting. Let's, let's, Father, in the name of Jesus, we commit ourselves to seek your face, to wait upon you. Lord, to of course pray for our family, but to pray for others. To see the expansion of your family. And Lord, we want to spend time in the secret place. We want to touch your heart and feel your heart. And we want your heart to become a part of ours. Lord, we don't want, don't want to be a people that just go through the motions. But Lord, we, we desire a passionate heart for the lost, for the unsaved, for the prodigals. We desire a passionate heart for those that are hurting and suffering for the afflicted the sick and the diseased those that are held captive the oppressed those that have been abused those that have been 
handed injustice. Lord, we, we stand for the hungry to be fed, the poor to be nourished. We stand for this nation, God, that it will be one nation under God and there would be a turning, Lord, for righteousness. That people would come together under the love of God, under the word of God. And Lord, that we as the body of Christ, we would be the influence, we would be the light, we would be the salt. We would go about doing Father's business. That we would be obedient to your spirit. Lord, that we would be set ablaze. On fire for you. We're so thankful for you, Lord. We're so thankful. We give you honor and glory. Bless everyone who is fasting. Thank you for blessing this corporate fast, Lord. Strengthening us, giving us wisdom and guidance. In Jesus' name. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.